Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Fill with the Spirit. Oh, it's so great. Thoughts, words that are are seasoned with grace. We're told to speak the truth in love, to build one another up in the faith, to speak words that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and worthy of praise. For today's broadcast, we have part two of Pastor Sam's message, The End is Near. Pastor Sam has an important discussion about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit compared to living under control of the flesh, and then finishes up Mark chapter 5, looking at verses 14 through 20. So let's listen in. My wife, on the other hand, extremely sensitive to anything that's not just negative, but especially those things that are demonic. And because we're both aware, there was a time we didn't know, now we do know. She'll be like, you need to be careful or you need to watch out or, or here's what was really going on. Sometime back, I was downtown. It's always an adventure walking around downtown. It's become more and more that over the years, but it's been a little while. And I know I've told the story to some of you. I'm walking downtown and I see this guy pretty disheveled, you know. He's kind of a cross between hair-wise, like Kramer on Seinfeld and, and Doc in Back to the Future. So you, you can picture that. And then he's, he's got eyes like, well, if Marty Feldman uh, married Betty Davis and had a child, you know, she's got eyes that are just bugging out of his head. And there was a song, right? He's got, she's got Betty Davis eyes. I, I don't think that was a compliment. But anyway, I see this guy coming. He has no shirt. He's huge. He's, he's obviously irritated and, and, you know, upset. And he's about, oh, a block, maybe a little less than a block, but walking kind of quickly toward me. And he's going, raw is God. Raw is God. And I'm like, raw is God. Sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, raw. That's the Egyptian sun God. So this guy is freaking me out a little bit. I have, I have no thought that maybe it's demonic. I just think another weirdo downtown. Because, hey, we, we lived in Laguna Beach when we were teenagers, right? I mean, we've seen it all. And so, so anyway, I, I'm thinking, should I cross the street? Should I ditch into a store? I, I'm way too embarrassed to turn and run. And so, I, but I'm trying to figure out my options. And all of a sudden, I notice as he approaches and gets closer, he recognizes me. I can't tell you how I knew that. I was just sure he knew who I was. And all of a sudden, his demeanor changes. He's still weird, but he starts to look like he's scared. And I'm looking behind me like, you know, <laughs> what's going on? The police coming up. Do I got the guards? Maybe angels, right? But, but here's what, what happens next. He starts to say something different. And, and I think to say, I was never saying raw is God. Raw food is good, he starts to say. And I'm like, wait a minute. Raw food is good? We know that's not true. And raw is God? We know that's not true. 
But he was changing his tune, if you will. And I realized that, that because I was only standing there and it was just me, that, that what he could sense is something, well, that the demons always know. Jesus lives within me. That the Holy Spirit has taken up permanent residence within me. And that's why he who is in the world, we have no reason to fear him because he who is within us is greater than he who's in within the world. Well, story ends well. He ends up turning and going somewhere else. I should have followed after him, but I wasn't really sure that would have been the good idea. I would have called Bud if I thought he could have got down there fast, you know. But nevertheless, experiences downtown. There are many. Speaking of experiences downtown, God says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sharing this with you because, well, listen, demonic possession, though real, is not the norm. And so drunkenness, at least in our culture, at least in our city, at least in our region, that is very common. And I want you to know that this don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, by the way, evidences of that speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. That there's joy that overflows someone filled with God's spirit. And what he's saying is, and it's not just a don't or a stop or cease and desist. It's don't do this, but instead do this. Why? Because we can't just stop and not put something in the place of the thing we've been using. And in this case, it's not a thing we put in its place. It's a person. Don't be filled with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. The word literally means don't be controlled by alcohol, since not everyone drinks wine. He's saying don't be a drunk. Don't be drunk with wine. But do be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if drunk is controlled by alcohol, then filled with the Holy Spirit is controlled by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God. A drunk has a foggy mind. He slurs and stammers as he speaks. He's unsteady in his walk. There's a lack of self-control, evil thoughts, bad decisions, horrible outcomes. Someone who lives that lifestyle. And listen, I know because both Pam and I were raised in homes where there was way too much drinking. It led to way too much arguing, way too much fighting, way too much stress. And, and, and so Having grown up in it, then I found my way in my early years to playing music for a living. That was a good thing. The problem was there weren't a lot of places a musician could make a living. So for eight years, I went every night to the nightclubs where I played music. And 
I, I thought for a while, this is so cool. People come to hear us. And then I realized I'm the social director of the Alcoholics Club. <laughs> that my job was to keep people there and keep people drinking. That was what was really going on. But anyway, in the midst of all of that, when someone is drunk, it's obvious they don't just slur and stumble, they swerve, accidents occur, health is destroyed, marriages are destroyed, families are destroyed, innocent people killed. So many negatives when it comes to drunkenness that the idea we would have to tell anybody, hey, don't be drunk. No one has to say, why does God say not to be drunk? No, he doesn't say a Christian can't drink. And I, I'm telling you that so you don't have to come and tell me that after. And there are always a few. Sometimes the line's actually kind of long. And so I, I'm saving both of us or the few of us some trouble. I know the Bible doesn't forbid drinking. And so I'm not on any crusade to say a Christian can't drink. But I will say, as someone who cares for you and for your families and for our community, Christians would do better not to drink. And, and again, I'm not judgmental over it. You have a glass of wine, that's, that's fine. With, I mean, it's, it's your choice. And the Bible just says, blessed is the man who does not condemn himself in the things he does. It also says whatever is in a faith is sin. So if you know that it's okay for you to drink, you're not just, the Bible doesn't forbid it. The Bible doesn't forbid a lot of things I shouldn't do, but I still don't do them. And so without spending any more time on that, I just want to say this. If you're a person who can't take one drink and stop, then you need to stop before the first drink. Because the command is not to be drunk. And people are like, well, how do I know where the line is? If you really don't know, then you should never take a drink. I'm someone who could drink and choose not to. Why? Because it's better for me. I'm more clear-headed and not all that clear-headed, even sober. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm more clear-headed. I'm more self-controlled. That's for sure. I make wiser decisions. <laughs> Having been both, I can say, when I was like that, I was stupid. Now that I'm like this, I'm less stupid. And so, drunk, not good. And if you're not sure, if you're like, well, that's just your opinion, it's Sunday night. It'll still work. Go downtown later. Wait till about 1030. Go downtown and confirm everything I'm saying. Now, fill with the Spirit. Oh, it's so great. Thoughts, words that are are seasoned with grace. We're told to speak the truth in love, to build one another up in the faith, to speak words that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and worthy of praise. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't see alcohol leading to any of those. 
And by the way, I'm not on a crusade against that particular vice, but it's important to start with one that's so common. And I would think few, if any here, have been unaffected by someone who has had way too much alcohol, doesn't know how to control their drinking, and has been so destructive as a result. Well, no wonder God says don't. But he also says do. Be being filled literally with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you can't do both at the same time. You can't be filled with wine and filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't be filled and controlled by alcohol and filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit at the same time. So we have to choose. Now, clearly, drunkenness is not the only vice. I'll touch on a couple others, but I don't want to spend all day on this, of course. I want to get to well, the good part of this story and, and then uh, sharing communion with you. But we know that drugs are a major problem in this generation. And by the way, this generation, I, I, I don't know, some say a generation's 40 years. Some say it's 70 years. I like that idea because it puts me in the same generation with most of you. 40, I'm kind of out for a lot of you, but... But the point is, drugs were big when I was young, and drugs are a real problem today. Pornography, it is not just on the rise. It is devastating people, their mindset, their, their hearts, every part of them corrupted by it. So we have euphemisms, of course, today for everything God causes, God calls sin. And this is so important, and here's why. First John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, if we confess. But what happens if we don't confess? Well, those sins are retained, those lifestyles and habits remain. So today the thief is a kleptomaniac. The drunk is an alcoholic. The drug abuser's an addict. Uncontrolled lust and perversion is called sexual addiction. Now I'm not saying people who are caught up in those things and dominated by them aren't sick. I'm saying the root of it is sin. It's a decision, a choice to reject God's plan and to accept another. And listen, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He lies and says, hey, that's not going to hurt you. Or he doesn't know what he's talking about. Or that might be true for someone else. But it's not you. And I would say, I hope that's true, that, that hope that's not you. But if there's any chance I'm speaking to you today, you need to pay close attention to the rest of this story because there's hope and freedom and transformation and life in Jesus. God forgives sinners, but he requires we call sin, sin, that we turn from it, turn to him, Trust in the blood he shed on Calvary's cross. 
and then give our lives to the one who gave his life for us. Verse 14, those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city, <clears throat> excuse me, I am going to need throat coat, but this is not that, but it's better than nothing. Those who fed the swine fled, they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. What a testimony. They come to someone they had stayed away from, they'd shied away from, they, they were afraid of. He's sitting, he's clothed, and then he's in his right mind. Remember a quote years ago, James Felix was the one who made it. He says, God, I thank you. I'm not all I hope to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And this guy could say that in that moment. And most of us can say that today. And if it doesn't apply to you, well, it can. If you make a decision today to give your life to the one who gave his life for you. Take note, those who came and saw him, they were afraid. They didn't understand what had taken place. And so the testimony by the feeders is they told everyone they knew, leading them to come and see for themselves. The testimony of this man He's a new creation in Christ Jesus. He has a changed life. He's not just an improved person or, or a reformed guy. He's transformed. They don't even recognize him. He's fully clothed. He's perfectly sane. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. This is interesting. Their response to this miracle of Jesus is to say, would you just leave? Please leave us. That's the plea of the crowd, verses 16 and 17. The man has a plea as well. He, it says that when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him. By the way, he honors the request of those who said, could you just leave? He doesn't force himself on them or into their lives. They say, would you leave? And he's like, okay, I'll go. But the demon-possessed, formerly demon-possessed guy begged him, we're begging, that he might be with him. However, Jesus has a decision to make too. He can bring him and disciple him and, and raise him up along with the others. He has a powerful testimony, but instead he decides to send him out and to send him out now. Then I like this because it reminds us there's no amount of theological training you have to take place. And ah, thank you very much, Pastor Bud. You will by no means lose your reward. And that's for a cup of cold water. This is a cup of warm throat coat tea. Listen, listen. Ah, it's going to help. Okay, here's the thing. 
and we got to get to the end of this so we can share in communion. The crowd say, please leave us, and Jesus honors their request. The freedman's plea, please let me go with you. He begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. He's saying you're delivered, you're free, you're transformed. Go and tell the people who know you best what God has done for you. And that's the place all of us need to start. By the way, the hardest crowd to share with the group of people who know you best. Because, well, they can be like, yeah, I remember when you went through this or you had that fad or yeah, I remember the mullet and, you know, I remember the bell bottoms and <laughs> I remember the Hare Krishna thing. Not that any of us would have been crazy enough to shave our head and put on that, that weird, you know, garb. But the point is this. People who don't know you, well, they don't really have anything on you. But your family, your friends, they do. So he says, start with them, because if you can convince them that God's changed you, and it shouldn't be that hard, they know you. You just can't push too hard. You just have to say, here's what God has done for me. It's not saying, go tell them they need to repent and give their life to me. No, first tell them what great things God has done for you, how he's had compassion on you. And then, of course, it says, he obeyed. He departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. Decapolis means 10 cities. Remember when Jesus talked about going the extra mile? This is the guy going the extra mile, five miles, 10 miles, 100 miles. He's just going. He's like, he's like Forrest Gump. He's just going and going and going forever. And so he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. So everyone in the story makes a choice. The people say leave and the Lord says, okay, I'm going. The, the, the demon-possessed, formerly demon-possessed guy says, let me go with you. He says, no, you go tell everyone Start at home, but go tell your friends and then let people know what God has done for you. He ends up doing just that. So, Revelation 21, I'll conclude with this, says the end of the world as we know it will lead to the world God intended in the first place. The end is near. The signs and the times and the seasons, they tell us that the return of our Lord for us and his judgment on this Christ-hating, Christ-rejecting world has got to be close. The, the world we pray for every time we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That world is coming. So what goes through your mind when you hear the end is near? I would hope it's a joyful expectation of better days ahead. 
Upon listening to what Pastor Sam had to say about drunkenness in today's broadcast, I could not help thinking about Deuteronomy 4.24, where we are told, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now, why can people stumble over God being jealous, and what does it have to do with drunkenness? Well, I'm glad you asked. As John Piper was quoted, People don't want to be told where to find their greatest pleasure. We want to be autonomous, self-determining people. We want to decide for ourselves, like Adam and Eve before the tree, what is good and what is evil, what is beautiful and what is ugly, what is satisfying and what is unsatisfying. And our sinful hearts recoil at the thought that anyone, including God, would demand that we find our satisfaction in Him. But the truth is there's no lasting satisfaction in fleshly sin, only death. And Jesus died so that we could have life and life eternal. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico. And you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.